0: And good morning again. Good morning. Good see everybody out this morning. Let's see here. Hymn of invitation will be 323, Is Thy Heart Right With God? And are you doing children's church now? Yeah. So uh, t- 12 and under for children's church. Got a good crowd. Keep an eye on them, Zeke. Make sure they stay in line, buddy, okay? All righty. Well, certainly good to see everyone out this morning, Uh, good to be here with you, and if you're logging into Facebook or onto YouTube, we want to welcome you and invite you to be with us uh, anytime that you can, and it's always a privilege to share in God's Word with you. uh, As I hadn't paid attention to the song list this morning until... uh, Uh, Tony let me know that he wouldn't be able to be here, so I went and checked what songs we were gonna sing, and I said, well, that Jesus is coming soon. I said, well, that that ties in perfectly with my message this morning. Of course, there was no pre-planning done on that, but that's really what I want us to be thinking about is what the words of this song is saying here, that Jesus is coming soon, because as we know, this past week has found us hearing a lot about Afghanistan, and uh, trying to get the people out of there. And and the Taliban saying that, you know, we're not going to persecute or punish anybody, but you hear reports and stories that that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, Don't hope it's not true. Uh, Past uh, experiences tells us it probably is true. And many of those people uh, are family members or individuals that helped uh, our soldiers out while they were there. Uh, maybe sons and daughters nieces nephews cousins friends may have come in contact and befriended some of these very people and maybe they helped get those same people back home safe and alive more importantly than that is there are christians in afghanistan that are being or if they're not being persecuted they will be persecuted because this sheer Sure rule, sheer sure law that they're talking about is non-tolerant of Christianity. That's something that we all need to be concerned with and all need to be praying, not only for Afghanistan, but countries all around the world where Christians are this very day being persecuted for no other reason than their faith. We have it really good here. We have it really good that we don't have to worry about that. I have heard reports that there's a television show host uh, that uh, raised about 22 million dollars from his listeners to get to go toward getting people pulled out of Afghanistan. I read this morning that that uh, President Biden had activated the uh, the airlines into the civil service uh, section uh, where they can kind of I won't the word commandeer is not correct to use but where they have the airlines provide planes and pilots to fly these people out so maybe they're going to be able to get more and more people out of there that don't want to stay and live under those conditions with that in mind and, and we think about it and we hear about it I want us to ask ourselves these questions and this all relates to if Jesus came back today If Jesus came back today, do you believe that God is satisfied with our efforts, what we do as Christians? Are we truly doing all that we can do to tell people about, or show, or be Jesus to those around us? Am I living like I'm a Christian? Because sadly, some of these folks are going to have, that we're talking about, they're going to face that question, they're going to face either acknowledging Jesus Christ or denying Jesus Christ. And an acknowledgment will mean, certainly mean, that they will be meeting Jesus Christ very soon. And we don't like to think about that, do we? We don't like to think about life coming to an end. Though it's all around us, we hear about it, they smother us to death with statistics about it. But life will end for each of us someday. It is appointed once unto man to die and then the judgments, what the scripture says. So we all have an appointed time. And I want to look this morning as we think about and ask ourselves the question, if Jesus came back today, what would he find me doing? What would Jesus find me doing if he returned Today, this very moment. Well, he would find all of us in in church offering up our worship, hearing from the scriptures, which I would think would be pleasing. He would find others on Facebook watching live. I think that would be pleasing. He would find others that have no regard toward his service and his word. That's sad. And that's where we come in Because maybe we're in contact with people that that are that way. That Sunday's just another day. Sunday's a day off from work. Sunday's a day to go do fill in the blank. Because I'm not going to condemn any action. Because we are called to, to come together and meet on the first day of the week as the disciples did. And we are. For the breaking of bread and prayers. And we're edifying or encouraging each other through the word. That's the same things they were doing just when Jesus had left they were meeting at the same way and we have to be willing to share that with others so turn with me if you will over to Luke gospel the gospel of Luke chapter 5 a very familiar piece of scripture and we're going to look at Peter's example of what we should be doing what I hope Jesus would find us doing when he returns We'll read the first 11 verses. said very familiar to you, the miracle of the fishes. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake against Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of him and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, And prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down the nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, They enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land they forsook all and followed him. So what do we see here? I mean, we know this. I've preached on this before. I'm going to try to do it a little different this morning because it's It's a little different angle. But we know this passage of Scripture. We know about Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, seeking out disciples or followers. Jesus came looking for workers. He found Peter. What did he find Peter doing? The Scriptures tells us that he and his partners were cleaning their nets. They'd already fished, as we found out throughout the rest of the story. He was cleaning his nets, preparing for the next day's work, and that's something that we don't often think about whenever we hear this passage of Scripture. Peter had no intention of being following Jesus prior to Jesus coming down because Peter was cleaning his nets out. He was going to go fish the next day. That's how he made a living. If you were a craftsman and you had to have tools, and you would compare that to cleaning up your tools to put away for the next day's work. And that's what Peter was doing. Something else that we don't oftentimes think about in this passage of scripture because it's more toward the power of God is that Peter heard what Jesus was speaking. He asked him to let, uh, let me borrow your boat so I can get away from all these folks. The crowd was pressing in on him. He still had teaching to do and Peter let him get in the boat and he pushed out from the bank so that he could address the crowd. Peter was a captive audience. He was hearing what Jesus was teaching just like the people on the shore were hearing what Jesus was teaching. This man who had no intention of following Jesus, the only thing he was concerned about was getting his nets cleaned up, going home, laying down, going to sleep. And then he hears the word of Jesus, the truth of the scriptures as we know it now. And what happens? It changes his whole perspective. It changes his whole life. And that's what we can look at That's what we can gather from this little passage of familiar scripture. Because coming in contact with Jesus, the truth of Jesus through his word, the Jesus in us being Jesus to people, it causes a response. And we see that response in Peter. The first thing we'll see is that uh, he had to be available. Verses 3 and 4. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land and sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said, Now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. He was available. He just met him. He probably had heard of him. But from what we can gather, what the Scriptures tell us, they just really had met. He didn't know this Jesus fellow. It was an interruption to him to allow Jesus to get in his boat because he was probably working on getting his boat ready for the next day's work. But Jesus Jesus came and called him. Let me use your ship, Simon. I need to get a little distance here. And he did. He did. He allowed him to use that ship. And notice what the response was the first time he came in contact with Christ. He made himself available. I'm available. That response, he changed him. Even just coming in contact, someone that was had something else completely on their mind, something else that they were going to do, suddenly, it's not so important, he accommodated Jesus. And I wonder if we don't need to look at our own lives that way about being available, but also coming in contact with Jesus. It's gotta change us. It's gotta change our priorities. When we're a Christian, we have to have different priorities than we had before we were a Christian. We see that with Peter. Peter's priority was fish and nets and boats. Now it's something different just from coming in contact with Jesus. He's available. How about us? Can we say that we're available? Is everything that we own, everything that we have, everything God has blessed us with, is it available for his use? While we have it. Think about that with the things that you have. And I don't care if you have a little or a lot. Uh, it's all blessings from God. And it should be available for use for what God has in mind. We can't set limits. We can't set limits. Peter used his boat. There you go. Peter used his boat. What What do we have that we might say, no, I can't give that up. I won't give that up. I work too hard for that. We'll address that here shortly. I work too hard for those things. I can't give that up because, you know, I really—it's really important to me. Peter, his perspective was changed just with contact with Jesus. He hadn't even heard the teaching yet. The teaching come to where we're about to find out shortly here. This next point. If we make ourselves available, listen, if you you will sincerely make yourself and everything that you own to be available, God will do the rest. If you have that willingness to say, all right, God, uh, I acknowledge I wouldn't have any of this were it not for your blessings. And if you want it used in some way to bring glory to your name, to lead someone to Jesus, just show me what I need to do. And that's what Peter did. He let Jesus get in the boat and push out from the shore so he could have some distance to teach. And then we see he was secondly obedient. Remember what was the last thing that Jesus said there in verse 4? He says, launch your boat out into the deep so we can go drop them nets down and catch some fish. And what was Peter's response in in verse 5? Let's look at that. Verse 5, he says, Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing, nevertheless at thy word... I will let down the net. My experiences tell me, Lord, that that we're not going to do any good because I just come in from there, I just was cleaning my nets. My experiences as fisherman, a seasoned fisherman, uh, tells me we're wasting our time. Have we ever thought about that, like that, whenever we looked at someone or or bumped into someone or maybe had the opportunity to say something, or to do something from someone else, and go. The last time I did that, it didn't turn out too good. The last time I said that, it didn't have any effect. What did Jesus say? Drop him nets down. He didn't say, okay, since you fished all night, we won't worry about it, we'll try another day. He said, nope, at thy thy word, I will drop down the net even though we may have had a bad experience at at trying that before, even though we may have even stumbled and fell trying to do something before, does that mean that Jesus wants us to stop? No. He wants us to be obedient and keep moving, keep trying, keep serving. And that's what we see Peter being. He's, He's obedient. He's obedient. I mean, Jesus, after all, is a carpenter. But he's also the master. Master of the sea. Love lifted me. That sound familiar? He is the master of the sea. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what he could command to happen and did happen. And that's what we have to understand. No matter what kind of situation we find ourselves in, no matter what kind of difficulties that we face, or no matter how uncomfortable we are, maybe uh, trying to be Jesus or witness about Jesus, God, Jesus is the master Just like he filled that net up for Peter, he'll fill us up with what we need to accomplish his will. We see that here. We see that. And what does all that happen? What happens when all that comes about with Peter and his story? Of course, we know that he let down the net and, and it was so full that it was busting the nets. And he was having to call his other partners over, James and John, sons of Zebedee. Bring another boat. I can't haul all of these fish. They're busting the nets. But what did that overwhelming response, that overwhelming accomplishment bring out in Peter? I knew I was going to catch those fish. I was just kidding. I'm such a good fisherman. What would you expect? No. Depart from me, O oh Lord. I'm a sinful man. He knew that it wasn't the years of his experience. He knew that it wasn't maybe the best fishing boat or the biggest or best net that he could could have that achieved those results. It wasn't his mastery over the fishing industry that allowed him to catch so many fish it caused the, the nets to burst and have to call his friend. It was God's mastery over things that caused these results to happen these wonderful results. And it humbled him. And sometimes I think that we need that ourselves. We think about humbling ourselves. And when we encounter the power of God, when we encounter the love of God, it has to be humbling to us. Especially to know that the condition that we ourselves were in before Christ hopeless, without hope, without any hope at all of having eternity spent in heaven. Now, I've seen this little meme going around a lot that everybody's gonna live forever, and that is exactly true. And then the rest of the meme says, the main part is location, location, location. I guess that's off of a real estate ad. But that's true. Everyone in this room, everyone Those folks driving up and down the road. That's what Jesus would find them doing right now. Driving by a church on Sunday morning. Talking about salvation. You see the irony in that? The things that are most important for us eternally, people are driving right by. That's why it is so important that we go out and be Jesus to people because we have people that just drive by. Every Sunday, I couldn't keep up with the number of vehicles I see going to and fro. Maybe they went to early church. I can be optimistic. But more than likely, they're going someplace else. And that's what we see here in this message this morning. That's what we see here with Peter's example this morning. When we come in contact with Jesus, it makes a change, it causes a response. And though that we may think that we are able to handle and do and achieve all of these things on our own, it's by the power of God that we are blessed, that we are successful. And we have to be available, we have to be obedient. And when we see the results that God produces in our lives and through our lives, it's a humbling thing. It should be. So remember at the beginning of the story, as I had pointed out, what was Peter on Peter's mind at the beginning of this chapter? i me get these nets cleaned. Bad night, didn't catch a thing. I just want to go home, grab a little something to eat, and lay down and go to sleep. Because i got to get back up and do it all over again. i got to get these nets done. Who's this Jesus guy? What's he? My boat? Okay. We'll push out. He comes in contact with him. He sees only results that God can produce. He's humbled. And then what happens to his perspective? Let's look at verse 11. Of course, this is after he calls James and John over to, to help him load the fish up into the other boat. And Jesus says, Fear not. Why would he have to say, Fear not? because of the miraculous thing they just saw enough fish in a net to sink a boat it wasn't from their doing it was from God's doing and they were probably big eyed may have been trembling (laughs) fear not from henceforth thou shalt catch men that's the call that's the call that God gives to each and every one of us. And here's what we've got to understand. Everybody here, if you're a Christian, you're a fisherman. And you may be fishing, and here's a little different spin on this, okay? You may be fishing out of a barrel, just a few people. You may be fishing out of a pond. You may fish a river. You may fish a lake. Your job may be fishing the ocean, but you got a job fishing. And Jesus says, fear not. Why? Because the very man that filled those nets, the very Savior that filled those nets through the Holy Spirit empowers us to fish. He empowers us to drop our line, whether it's that little bucket or if we're casting out into the ocean. It doesn't matter, and and what's it do? It makes us change our perspective in life altogether because Peter was just going fishing the next day, and Jesus says, nope, you'll be catching me in verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. What was he doing? He was cleaning nets. Don't care about them nets all of a sudden. What what about them boats? That was his investment, his livelihood. Don't need them boats either. What about the fish that was on the boats? They didn't even talk about doing anything with the fish. They forsook everything. That means the investment that they had in the equipment and the the money, the revenue they would have received from the fish that loaded down the boat. None of that was important anymore because they were going to be serving Jesus. That was their main priority. And thank God that Peter did. Because we're going to look at this last point here to see and listen to and think about Peter. And this was where it all began with him. Was he a perfect guy? No. Remember him from Wednesday night, if you've been studying along with us? Before the the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. Oh, I'll never deny you, Lord, even unto death. He denied him three times, just like Jesus, the man that filled the nets, told him he would. But then he came back when they were after the resurrection and he asked him if he loved him three times and restored him because that's the kind of love that lifted me I was sinking deep in sin far from a peaceful shore that's the kind of love that God has that's the kind of love that Jesus has is that even though we can slip and stumble and fall we can be restored and back to service let's look at our last point here of course remember we've got to be available be humble, we've got to be willing, and then finally, we've got to be on the lookout. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. And listen to what he writes here. And this is something for all of us to remember. It kind of goes along, I don't remember if it was last Sunday or Sunday before last, so we're going to hit that, I didn't put it on the PowerPoint, because as I was going over it this morning, I added it in. But listen to what Peter writes here, he says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Make sure that their talk, that people, the things that they say about Christians is not true have that conversation, have your conduct, have all things that you do in your life it be invalid to those that criticize it. Make sure that you do as Peter, who, who as we've seen, had humble beginnings. Make sure your conversation is honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evil-doers, that by whose good works? Your good works. By your good works which they shall behold or they shall see, what, what does that bring about? They glorify God in the day of visitation. So that's the call for us as Christians. We have to conduct ourselves in such a way that even people that attack us for being an evildoer, it doesn't hold water. And they end up saying glory to God on the day of visitation. Now you say, well, Rob, how do I guide myself to do that? Well, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Remember, I encourage you to use this as a guide. And if you didn't mark it then, you got the chance to mark it now. Paul is writing here, and he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's how we conduct ourselves in conversation and in action so that people that want to speak evil against us glorify God in the end is by using that guide. Don't get wallowed down in the dirt. Don't get in these conversations Uh, verbally or on Facebook or whatever social media platform you want to use that drag you into a worldly-based conversation. Use this to determine if you need to participate. Use that guide to decide, okay, is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Or is it a good report? Is there any virtue among this? Is there any praise to be given among this? And if you answered no to any of the above, don't participate. <laughs> Otherwise, what happens? You look just like the world, and the conversations of the of the people that you come in time, the Gentiles, as he says. Guess what? Then their conversations, their their railing against you becomes true. And then, therefore, it cannot glorify God. And then, therefore, it would not be pleasing. You see what I'm saying? And that's what Peter is teaching us throughout all of this, that we have to have a change in our lives when we come in contact with Jesus. We have to have that change. Just as Peter did after hearing Jesus' truth. Being in contact with it. He changed his whole perspective. Suddenly what was the most important didn't matter at all. So be ready. If you're a Christian this morning, be ready. Follow Peter's example here of what to do. Be obedient. Be willing. Be on the lookout for the opportunity. God will put the opportunity in front of you. Okay? As you're out there fishing in whatever body of water you're fishing in, that bobber is going to bounce. Be ready. Be ready. I remember when I was a kid, I used to fish. I would want to talk or go throw rocks on the bank or pick up sticks or chase snakes or whatever. That's said, you better be ready. You better watch that line. You better, because we talked, heard about this this morning as we was talking, because uh, the fish don't care a bit to you yank your whole rod and reel and go right off into the, into the creek. You got to be ready. And when you have that opportunity, then you set that hook. And that's kind of a bad term. We're not trying to set a hook, but we want that opportunity to talk about or to be Jesus to somebody. So we've got to be ready. Got to be obedient. Got to make everything we have available. Let me tell you, if we do this, if everybody that hears this will do this, you're going to see a change in your wherever you fish. Okay? And then you're going to move on to another, another body of water. If You're fishing in a small body of water, you've got one fish, and you catch the fish, guess what? You're going to move to another one. And that's God's plan. We'll see change in our families. We'll see change in our communities. We'll see change in our state. And eventually, we'll see change in the nation and the world. If we all followed this example of obedience to God, and allow that obedience to make a change in our hearts and what our priorities are, we'll see change. So that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. I want to encourage you to follow the example of Peter, make yourself available and realize that you are working with the master of the sea and he can fill your nets beyond what you could ever imagine and he'll be right there with you through the Holy Spirit as promised to us. So I asked this morning, have you heard the gospel and believed? That's the first thing that happened to Peter. He heard the words of Jesus. It compelled him to believe because how do we know that, Rob? Because he dropped down the nets. At thy word, Lord, I will. He said that. And then what happened? It caused a response. So hearing and believing causes belief and acknowledgement. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and causes us to repent. Get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. That's repentance, okay? And once we we repent of our sins and confess Christ as Savior, we're buried with him, or like him, in the death, in baptism. We receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is our guide, which is Jesus with us while he's apart from us. And then we are raised a new creature. Changed, and we live faithful, faithful until Christ returns, or until we're called away. Now maybe you've done that already, and you realize, you know what? Uh, I've been pretty poor fisherman. I need to change. I need to get the rods and reels back out. I need to go fishing, and I need to be ready for when that bobber starts bouncing. And if that's the case for you, I want to encourage you today to do that. But let us all walk out of here resolved that we're going to allow our contact with Jesus to change our lives and invoke a response. Because that's the example that's been set before us. We're going to sing hymn of invitation 323, Is Thy Heart Right With God? And I want to encourage you, if you have a decision to make, to come as we stand and sing. First in the third verse.